Grounded. We're starting a new series this week called Grounded. And this is not the kind of grounded that happened when you were a kid and you did something you weren't supposed to do and you got home and your mom and dad said you're grounded. This is the sort of grounded that when we look at, it's what we put our feet on that anchors us. The kind of grounded that says, I have something to stand on. In 1896, Charles Sheldon wrote a book that has changed the way as Christians we kind of think and talk. He wrote a book called In His Steps. Now, for those of you, you may be familiar with this and you haven't even realized it. You may never read the book, but you're kind of familiar with the concept because it has just hung around and hung around. In 1896, Robert Shelton wrote a book about a pastor. I believe his name was Maxwell. Uh, I should check Manny, not Maxwell. Maxwell was the guy off of Get Smart, wasn't it? Okay. Now I know those who are classic good movie watchers out there. In 1896, he wrote a book about a guy by the name of Charles or, or Manning, a Pastor Manning, who had a homeless guy or a guy who was down out of his... He'd lost his job, and he came to Pastor Manning, and Pastor Manning, I need help. And Pastor Manning was on his way to church to preach a sermon, and he says, I don't have time for this, and he sent the guy away. Well, later on, during the church service, the guy happened to be there and kind of began to challenge them on, I don't know what to do, and, and later on, he passes away, this, this fellow. Well, Charles Manning, is, or Manning's, Pastor Manning's, is really challenged by this concept. And so he begins to challenge the church, and he begins to think about this idea, what would Jesus do? See, you were familiar with this book all along, and you didn't even know it. Because remember when all the little bracelets, WWJD, were out? The bumper stickers that people put on the back of the car, WWJD? It ties into this concept of what would Jesus do? And so as Pastor Manning challenges his congregation for the next year, I want you to do nothing without first asking the question, what would Jesus do? And basically the rest of the book is basically how that little simple question changed the way that people lived their lives. Motivations. All of us are motivated by something. Each and every day of our lives, we are all faced and challenged with so many choices, so many decisions. In fact, we, we are bombarded with so many, we don't even think about them anymore. They just have to be made. And so we go through our life, literally one act after another, doing things based upon something that motivates us in our background. As Americans, Patrick Henry, when I say Patrick Henry, what comes to your mind? I think I heard it. What was it? Give me liberty or give me death. As Americans, one of those things that motivate us in the very back of our mind, the very time a politician says or does something, Patrick Henry's little thought comes to our mind, how is this going to affect my freedom? Give me liberty or give me death. And so as Americans, we, we're consciously and even subconsciously affected by this idea that my liberties may be at stake and I need to defend them. 
Now, having been in Australia for the last 20 years, Kevin Rudd summed up the Australian mentality. The idea, give me liberty or give me death, is not on their radar. In fact, their whole idea is this. Kevin Rudd summed it up like, like this, and I'm going to paraphrase it slightly, but he said it so much better. And he basically said this, everyone deserves a fair shake of the sauce bottle. In other words, everyone deserves a fair go. So their idea is not the idea of liberty or death. It's the idea of everybody deserves to have a go, a fair go in life. You see, we are all motivated. Something in our backgrounds drives us and causes us to act in every decision we make. Sometimes it might be the way you were raised. You had parents who drove certain things into your brain constantly over and over and over. Something, it might have been some philosophy you picked up in college. It just might have been the, the, the way that you feel. And so from, a, from the very start, everything we do is sort of driven and motivated by something in the back of our mind. Now, as I said, so many of these decisions are, are we don't even think about. We don't stop and, well, let me, how does this fit? It just, we just do it. And somehow, based upon who we are, what our motivations have been in the past, it sort of just drives us along. When you go to choose, what do you do for lunch? Okay, that might be a bigger decision. But, but certain things begin to kind of drive its way home, and it causes you to make a decision a certain way. When you get your paycheck at the end of the week, and you're getting ready to, to pay your bills and which ones get paid first and what do you do with the excess? It, it's, it's sort of decided based upon these conscious and subconscious things that just sit in the back of your mind. When you're getting up and you're, you're trying to get out of the house and your child is late for school and how you respond, you haven't even thought about it, but something in the back of your mind is driving you. How do you respond? How do you do you get angry and kick the cat? Do you storm off? Do you get, what's your response? And something is driving, something is consciously or subconsciously causing you to act. Choices, decisions. They come fast and they come often. Most of the decisions you make will not affect your life. I mean, be honest, when you go to the grocery store and you're looking at the ice cream aisle, okay, maybe this is just me, I'm the one looking at the ice cream aisle, and you decide you want chocolate chip cookie dough over vanilla, ultimately, it is really not gonna change the outcome of your life. But there will be some decisions that you make that will affect how you move forward, your relationships, how you respond to the boss when he, when he has been an idiot for the 50th time today. How you respond will determine your future. When you get upset with your spouse because she sees something different than you do or he sees it a different way than you do, how you respond can affect how you move forward. 
decisions, choices. They come without us thinking about. We make them without even consciously. We just make them. But so many of these important decisions that will affect the outcome of your life are grounded or based upon something that you've gone through. Uh, Real quickly, I'm going to go through several of our major ones that we deal with, especially in our society that we're at here in the United States. Um, and, And I'm not here to say this is all of them, because trust me, there are so many things that influence your decisions, but we're all influenced. So for a lot of the decisions we make, a lot of us base our decisions and choices based upon some political outcome. Many of us think in the idea of, well, how is this going to affect my political party? We see when we read the newspaper, when we watch the news, our mind is automatically, is this an advantageous thing for my party or is this something that's going to, oh, oh man, really, ah, oh, this is going to hurt. When we're at work, we, the conversations we have automatically go towards, how can I maybe influence someone to vote the way I want to see them vote? And of course, it kind of calms down during a certain part of the year, but as elections get closed, it really begins to ramp up, doesn't it? Because so many of us make decisions based upon a political ideology. It's not just political ideologies. What about economic situations? I'll just put it that way. Do you find yourself making the decisions and the choices, asking questions based upon an economic decision. So in other words, you start asking questions such as, well, how much is this going to cost me? Is there a benefit to me buying this? Or is this just, is this, we begin to look at terms of interest. And that's the first thing our mind goes to. Well, what's, what is this going to cost me long term? How much do I get out of this in the future? What's my rate of return? Do we need to buy that? Uh, Didn't you buy shoes like four years ago? Wasn't that enough? Surely, surely the car is fine. It's it's only 20 years old. I'm sure we got another 10 years left in it. And we begin to make decisions based upon an economic outcome. Some people don't only make their decisions based upon a political outcome or an economic outcome, but there are environmental outcomes. You ever met someone who's consciously, oh, oh, oh don't, don't buy plastic. Don't, don't oh, bring your, bring your reusable bags. Don't, can't you buy glass? Isn't glass a better option? And everything they do is driven by an idea of, of we've got to do something more to protect the planet we live on. Some people are driven by political ideology. Some people are driven by their economics. Some people are driven by environmental causes. Some people are driven by social causes, social issues. Gender equality, race equality. How many many women have they hired? What's the pay gap? Why is there such a pay gap? Isn't there something better that... Isn't there a way we can change this? What do we need to do to change this? You see, we're all driven by something but in the back of our minds drive us and cause us to be passionate, cause us to be 
consumed with ideas and ideologies. We make decisions based upon those ideas. Sometimes we are kind of caught up on multiple fronts. But most of us have an overriding, overwhelming, consuming passion that no matter what we do, it just sort of sticks back there and it kind of sparks it. It, it kind of gets us excited. It kind of gets us moving. And we're, we, we, that's just what we can think about. That's all we are. That's who we are. The only problem is, as we begin to talk about these ideas, so often that which we stand on, that which we make our decisions on, that which we ground our feet on, sometimes feels a little shaky. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I really like and I love people who are passionate in all areas of life. I love people who are passionate either with their politics, with their economics, with their environmental causes. I love people who are passionate with social issues and social justice. I love people who are passionate about freedom and liberty. But all too often, if we're not careful, it becomes almost like Jesus is, that which we're standing on. And I'm going to go ahead and have Dave put up here. In, I think it's Matthew chapter, or Luke chapter 6. He begins and he says this. Sometimes it feels like our decisions is like the guy who builds his house right on the ground without a foundation. So when the floods sweep down against the house, it collapses into a heap. Well, what do I mean by that? You see, we get so passionate. We become so in, excited about it. We become so enraged over we become We become angry. We become happy when, when things are going in the direction and not in that area that I make my decisions on. But the problem is, is when politics becomes that which we make decisions on, what happens when my guy does something wrong. What do I do? When we think in the terms of what must I do to win, we begin to excuse behavior that we would never excuse. We begin to look at what is best for the party, not what is best for people, because that's the way our minds begin to work. When economics becomes that which we are passionate about, we begin to see the value of people based upon a dollar term and not based upon what their soul is worth. When we begin to see things in a case of an environmental policy, we'll go out of our way to save animals and yet we'll walk by someone who is hungry. You get where I'm coming from? When social justice becomes that which is our only founding thing which, we, which we, we love, we'll trade the narrative for the truth. We'll trade, in other words, what we begin to do is I so want this story that I don't care about the truth. I'll go with the story because it fits my sense of being. When freedom and liberty becomes that which drives me, it usually becomes not about our liberty or our freedom. It becomes about my liberty and my freedom, what is best for me. You see, when we begin to look through and when we begin to make 
different things are foundation or our grounding, it get, get a little bit shaky if we're not careful. Is there another option? Is there another way? I mean, is there something that we can stand on that says, hey, it allows me to be passionate about what my causes are and yet to have a better grounding, to have something to stand on? Jesus says there is. In Luke chapter six, back up to verses 47 and 48, he says there is an unchanging set of standards that we can stand on that will help us in every passion of our lives. Jesus says this, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, he listens to my teaching and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm. It is well built. Jesus tells us that there is a foundation that is strong enough that can give direction to those things that cause us to tick. John records a prayer. Uh, in John chapter 17, verse 17, John records this prayer of Jesus. In fact, it's really, when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, we usually go to our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is actually what we should really be referred to as a model prayer. But the Lord's Prayer, the one that he actually prayed, is found in John chapter 17 and verse 17, where he was talking, and here's what Jesus prayed, and he says this. Make them holy by your tree, by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Jesus tells us that if we listen to his words, we will have a strong foundation to shape our lives. He goes on to say, if we listen to his words and we obey them, not only is it a strong foundation that can stand the storms of life, not only is is it a foundation that can stand when, when my politics, I don't know where to go with them, when my economics seems to be breaking down around me, and when, when my environmental causes are, are, are just stuck, when my social issues are not moving the way I would like them to move, when, when my idea of freedom and liberty is, is not where I want it to be, is there something that can hold firm in the midst of this? And Jesus says, not only is there something that will hold you firm, but he uses this word, it will make you holy. Now that's kind of an interesting thought. If that which the decisions which you make, consciously or unconsciously, when when we allow our passions to to help us make our choices on, should I buy this, should I not buy this? Should Should I have a word with my boss or should I not have a word with my boss? Should should I buy paper or, or should I get this in glass? Those silly decisions that we get caught on. Jesus says not only can we 
stand firm on our decisions, but he says this, it can actually, we can be holy in our decisions. Now, most of the time when I make a decision on a certain issue, holy is not usually the word I would think about. When we're talking about ideas that we stand on and ideas that drive us, ideas that motivate us, ideas that get us up and get us moving, when I think about my politics, holy is definitely not usually, holy and politics don't usually go together. I'll just be honest with you. Money, I'll tell you, there's one thing we don't like talking about in church is money. So economics and holy, that's just kind of, we'll kind of dodge around that. And surely Jesus isn't concerned with environmental causes, right? You see, here's the reality. Jesus says, if you stand firm on a foundation, which is my words, my truth, not only will you have something that will bolster you, that will hold you up, that will help you stand, but the decisions you make will be holy. I think that's what he said, didn't it? He said, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Pure, holy, without fault, without blemish. The decisions you've made this week, where did they fall? Were they decisions that we did in a way that we would say, you know, that was a decision that was pure, that was holy, that was good? Jesus says, my words will be a foundation to stand on. You see, when we begin to think about our politics, when we begin to think about our economics, when we begin to think about our environmental causes, when we begin to think about our social issue causes, when we begin to think about our freedoms, our, our liberties, there is something that we should be standing those things upon. They should not be the foundation themselves. They should be founded. If we say we are followers of Jesus Christ, they should be founded upon the words of Jesus Christ. Several years ago, I was talking to a friend, um, a really good friend of mine, and so I'm not going to mention his name just in case he happens to be watching. Now, I know he's not, but just in case, but I was having a conversation with him about a certain issue, and it was a hot topic of the day, and he had read this book, and he'd recommend this book, but I'd, I'd already read the book, and I said, there's some valid ideas and some valid viewpoints. The only problem is is that author has kind of manipulated, massaged the facts. I don't know how do we best say it. Had kind of taken the facts and had kind of twisted them to say something else. And I said, there's actually a book that I'm not really sure I totally agree with what they're saying, but it better fits your opinion. It's a little less forceful, but much more factual. And I think would have a better argument. And the thing that kind of shocked me, that, that caught me off guard, is he said this. Does it really matter if it's all true as long as it supports the truth? 
I couldn't quite, did I just hear that? But the reality of what he was saying is what we already, already do in our own lives. I have a version of the truth, and does it really matter what we believe is true as long as it supports my idea of that truth? Can I say, yes, it does matter. It matters a lot. God is truth. His words are truth. If truth does not matter, then God has no value. We cannot support truth with untruth. Truth doesn't need untruth. Truth stands on its own. And so as we begin to look at this idea of what we stand on, the foundations that we stand on, sometimes we make decisions not based upon a truth, but upon my idea of what I think truth is. And Jesus says there is a truth that is solid, that will not change, that is not on shaky ground, that is not going to be based upon who is voted in or who is voted out, is not based upon how you feel today versus how you feel yesterday. It's not based upon how the values of life is changing around you. It is based upon a set of guidelines and principles that have been true and that will be true. In fact, Jesus tells us this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In other words, I was there at the start. I will be there at the end. And in the in-between places, he is still the same. Something to stand on. When Protestant Reformation broke out in the early 1500s, a guy we know very well by the name of Martin Luther, you might have heard of him. In fact, he has a whole denomination named after him called the Lutherans. But Martin Luther found himself in a spot. He had become a priest in the Catholic Church, and he found himself in a battle, trying to figure out how do I gain God's acceptance? How, do I, how can I please God? What is enough? How much is enough? And he began to battle because there were influential people in his life who began to say, hey, if you want to gain God's favor, here's where you got to go. If you want to gain God's favor, this is what you got to do. If you want to gain God's favor, this is what you must become. And he began to find himself confused and not really sure what to do. And he came up, and I shouldn't say he came up with, but he, he, he stopped and he termed something for us. He, he re, reminds us of something today that he, he kind of pinned in the day And it's called Sola Scriptura. Or the Scriptures alone. God's truth alone. God's word alone. Martin Luther discovered the fact that it doesn't matter what we are told by those that are around us. It only matters what God tells us. Now, I've got to be honest with you. Martin Luther has never been the guy I've followed immensely, but my dad was. My dad was my pastor growing up through most of my life. And one of the things that he continued to tell me, and in fact, sometimes I think it's one of the things that kind of annoyed him about it because I 
grasped onto it, sometimes over listening to him. And he'd always say this, James, the Bible is our only rule of faith and practice. Now, I remember that. Now, I know it sounds a little bit churchy, but basically what he was just telling us is, hey, it doesn't matter what people tell you. It matters what God tells you. What does his word tell us? What does he say? And I can remember over and over in the back of my mind when something happens, James, the Bible is our only rule of faith and practice. It's only God's word. It's only God's truth that should dictate how I live my life. It's where I should start. That's where I should finish. We need something to stand on, something that grounds us, something that is bigger than I am, something that can stand against the knocks of the ever-changing society around me. Something that stands up to the ever-changing ideas and values and what is truth. You see, we have something strong to stand on. Look, I'm gonna be really honest with you. I love people who are passionate with their politics. Sometimes I always work hard to keep them out of church because I'm, I struggle with trying to marry the two and I don't think it's always the place. But I love people who are passionate about their politics. I love people who are passionate about their economics, who, who are passionate with trying to find a better way to help people. I love people who are passionate with environmental causes of, of people who wanna see us do better with what God has given to us. I, I love the fact that there are people who are passionate with social issues who are always looking to improve our society to help make things more fair and even and better than what we already have. I love the fact that as Americans, I, I love this idea that we have this, this ever-ending thump in the back of our, in our minds that says, give us liberty or give us death. That we will fight to help make people free. I, I love that idea. But if it is not founded upon something bigger than our own opinions and are bigger than our own ideas, then it is nothing more than a building that is set upon the ground. So that when the storms of life come, it can be knocked down. You see, our lives as followers of Jesus Christ is not based upon any political party. Our lives as Jesus Christ is not based upon how much money we have. Our lives as Jesus Christ is not based upon what happens in the environment. Our lives as followers of Jesus Christ is not based upon how wrong people treat each other. May it should cause us to act differently. It should cause us to think differently. It should cause us to, to live our lives in a certain way that we think about others first. But our lives as followers of Jesus Christ is based upon that idea, being a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, we need something bigger to stand on than my own background, my own desires, my own wants. Over these next couple of weeks, we're gonna to begin to look at this idea of can we trust God's word to stand on? Is it a steady foundation? 
And so I just want to encourage you, come back over the next couple weeks, and let's just kind of look at these ideas together. Is God's word, is God's truth able to help us stand when everything around us is changing? So this week, I'm going to just give you a little bit of homework this week, okay? Now, I know church, you shouldn't get homework, but I do want to kind of give you something. I just want to ask you as you go around, I want you to kind of think in your minds. I kind of want it to tumble. What is it that motivates me? What causes me to be passionate? What causes me to, to, to get angry, to get upset? What causes me to, to want to do something different? What is it that causes me to spark? Is it, is it something other than one of these things? Maybe, maybe for you it's education. The idea of education just causes you to spark. Maybe it's the idea of I just need love. I just, I just, I just need people to accept me and love me. What is it that causes you to be motivated? What is it that causes you to get out of bed and to act a certain way? The second question is sort of like under the first, but not. How would God's truth affect those decisions I make? What causes me to get up in the morning and causes me to be passionate and causes me to choose the choices I make? And how would that look if I allowed God's truth to be evident in my life? Father, this morning, Lord, we all need a stronger foundation. It's easy to get caught up and on things that ultimately they're important, but in the light of eternity, they can be a little shaky. And Father, I, I, I'm not saying and I'm not asking that you take away those passions from us. I'm just asking that you help us to see those passions through the light of your truth, through the light of your words, so that when we talk, we can be pure, we can be holy, that our decisions and the actions we make are good and not hurtful. So Father, I pray as we begin to talk about your truth and your word help us to understand that we can have a firm foundation so that when life changes around us when the things hit us hard that we have no control over when when the values of life change father we have something to stand on that is not reactionary but based upon a simple truth of who you are we want to say we love you. Thank you for your goodness.